the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A couple things I'd like to go over in the budget. Uh, now, uh, the way I see it, we need $650 million. Now, some of this can be done, uh, it seems to me, through some simple changes in our cash management. Uh, for example, uh, according to the OMB, we've got uh, 17 defense contractors who are delinquent in their contracts. Uh, is this true, Frank? Uh, I believe so, yes. So even though they're late, we keep paying them on time? Well, in a sense, yeah. Okay. Now, instead of giving them money for something they haven't finished, we could hold back that cash, stick it in even an ordinary savings account. We'd be making $23 million a month in interest. Well, technically that's true, but... Uh, oh. Man, I suppose it's true. Okay. Okay. Okay, so that's $23 million times 12 months. Okay, good. The Commerce Department. Yes, Mr. President? Uh, you're spending $47 million on an ad campaign to boost consumer confidence in the American auto industry. Yes, sir. Uh, well, you see, it's designed to bolster individual uh, confidence in a previous domestic automotive purchase. So we're spending $47 million so that Somebody can feel better about a car that they've already bought? Yes, sir, but I wouldn't characterize that way. No, no, I'm sure that's important, but I don't want to tell some eight-year-old kid that he's got to sleep in the street because we want people to feel better about their car. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from the movie Dave from 1993. You know, when it's a, it's a story about a, uh, a brain-dead president, a guy coming in to, uh, to uh, uh, impersonate him while they uh, avoid putting in a, uh, a, what they call a mentally, a mentally unstable vice president. Hmm. Sounds, uh, sounds... Vaguely familiar to what we're going through right now. We have a brain dead president in, in Joe Biden, and we don't really know who they're putting in to run the run the presidency, uh, run the country. Um, but you know he he's out there. It's like a weekend at Bernie's. He's he's out there. We don't really know who's pulling the pulling the puppet strings. And uh, of course, we uh, in the movie they say that the that the uh, vice president is mentally unstable. Um, when you find out later in the movie, he really isn't. But uh, in our case, we we absolutely do have a mentally unstable uh, vice president. So 
What are we to do? What are we to do? That song was Elton John, Gotta Get a Meal Ticket. You know, I uh, I used that back in the Obama years, saying this is the official uh, the official uh, uh, theme song of the Obama administration. You know, just get a meal ticket. You gotta get a meal ticket. Do yourself a favor. The meal ticket does the rest. You know, this is the this is what Obama taught Biden to do. Just give out free money. Just give out free money. Give everybody a meal ticket so they don't have to pay for anything, and uh, you'll get votes. And, of course, we're hearing stuff going on in California this week where uh, we're going to give reparations to uh, everybody who's black in California. And, uh, you know, and then uh, now now they're starting to expect it as if this is really going to happen. And, of course, we're hearing that uh, the black people are just not going to support Biden if they don't get reparations. And, uh, you know, hey, they realize there, there might be a problem with funding this thing. So uh, they're they're prepared to take a down payment a smaller down payment while we figure out how to fund it. Um, you know what? What is this country? Is this the United States? I don't think so. I don't think so. We're in the, we're in the twilight zone. Well, we're going to talk about a lot, a lot about that's going on. Oh, and you know, what? in that day, in that Dave scene, you know what? Balancing a budget doesn't have to be any more, any more complicated than that. And apparently, Apparently, the Democrats want us to want us to think that we're we're on the verge of uh, economic chaos and disaster um, if we don't raise the debt ceiling without changing anything in the budget. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about that today and uh, all the details of what's going on. But before I do, first, let me introduce myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in, in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. You know, and there's uh, whether you want to refinance a piece of property that you own or you want to purchase a piece of property you'd like to own or you want to get involved in one of those uh, fantastic uh, financing tools for those that are in their retirement years uh, called a reverse mortgage, you want to get some information about that, uh, call me. We'll get you all the information. And uh, whether those properties are in California and another state, we can help you out. Um, if you don't want to talk to me about this kind of stuff, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet because it's so personal on the phone, because uh, then I can hear what your voice sounds like. Uh, go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage uh, logo, and uh, do the cyber thing. Fill out as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on just about any app that does podcasts, um, but uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud has it and uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, where you can actually subscribe for free and have it download to your uh to your device once a week. I record. I typically record on Friday mornings. This week I'm recording on Tuesday because I have some uh, medical stuff going on later in the week, and I just didn't want to have to sit in front of the microphone after I'm uh, after I've been cut on. Um, so I'm recording early this week. Um, so if any any anything uh, gets updated in our scenarios, you'll know why because um, I'm recording on Tuesday. But typically I record on Fridays. And uh, then it uploads to uh, we upload it shortly thereafter, Friday afternoons, and it will uh, download to your device on Friday, Friday afternoons, somewhere later in the day. And uh, you can listen to it on demand. Um, If you have comments on the show, uh, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. And uh, I think that's all I need to tell you. So uh, let's talk about what's going on in this country. Um, The debt limit showdown continued this week. With the White House meeting, a uh, uh, meeting of congressional leaders from both parties taking place as we record on Tuesday, so it's going on. And of course, we know that it's uh, it's not an they they say it's going to be a discussion, not a negotiation. The group of four, which is Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. Um, it, this, this meeting is not expected to produce anything close to a final agreement on the, on the plan to raise 30, to uh, raise the, the current debt limit, 
trillion dollars uh, that we have now. And of course, uh, you know, out of these four, there's one of them has a brain and has some stones. Um, the rest of them are just, you know, Mitch McConnell. He's the turtle. Doesn't really uh, fit into uh, what we would call Republicans. And of course, uh, Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries are are passing the Democrat talking points to scare everybody. So let's recap. Kevin McCarthy presented a plan that passed the House on April 24th. It included raising the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion while cutting $4.8 trillion in spending. Democrats have nicknamed McCarthy's proposal the Default on America Act, and they made their round Sunday to continue spinning it as, as such. They also continued to call their plan the Clean Debt Ceiling Bill, which is a nice way of saying they want to increase unconditionally without any responsible uh, spending cuts. On NBC's Meet the Press, host Chuck Todd asked Hakeem Jeffries if Democrats' plan was realistic. Do you accept the premise that you're not going to get a clean debt ceiling? I I do not because uh, we have a constitutional responsibility to make sure that we protect the full faith and credit of the United States of America. Uh, Everyday Americans understand this principle. If you have a bill, you need to pay it. If you fail to pay it, it's going to adversely impact your credit rating. Your credit score will drop. If your credit score drops, your costs are going to go up. And if America defaults on our bills, that's exactly what is going to happen. And everyone is going to pay the price. Yeah, what he fails to point out is that Congress has a constitutional responsibility to pay our bills. But that begins with not spending more than we have the ability to pay. Kind of like, you know, you, uh, you use your charge cards for in case of an emergency. But we've all had those those periods in our life where we we put more and more on just because we want something hey you know what i really want to get that new stereo or i really want to get that new whatever and i really don't have the money for it so i'm gonna just put on my charge card and make payments on it and before you know it you're tens and tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt uh paying interest at 20 percent, and you find yourself underwater So last week, the White House said the president was inviting the leaders for a discussion, not a negotiation. As I said last week, uh, last week, then what's the point? If it's a discussion, not a negotiation, what's the point? Chuck Todd asked Hakeem Jeffries about that. I guess we should call these talks, not negotiations. Or is anything on the table or is this a negotiation? Well, it's a very important discussion. I'm thankful that President Biden has called us together. Uh, We need to do two things. One, we have to make sure that America pays its bills to avoid a dangerous default on our debt uh, in a manner that will blow up the United States economy, likely trigger a job-killing recession, cost us millions of good-paying jobs, crash the stock market, which, of course, will adversely impact the retirement security of millions of Americans, and it will dramatically raise costs for almost everyone. That has to be avoided. And the one way to do that is to make sure that we raise the debt ceiling in a manner consistent with what has been done more than 100 times mm-hmm. under Democratic presidents and Republican presidents. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's posturing, he's posturing to, to, put a, to be able to put a spin on it that all these things that are already happening to be the blame it on the Republicans. So job-killing recession, we're already there. We're already in a job killing recession. You're seeing thousands and thousands of people being laid off, but you know they they keep spinning the job the they keep spinning the employment numbers as as I say every time they come out with the numbers. It's not more people getting jobs; it's people getting more jobs because the, the full time jobs are are going away and people are taking multiple part time jobs. It's gonna kill. It's gonna kill all these jobs. It's gonna kill the stock market. I think that's already happening. It's going to raise the price of everything, and everyone's going to have to pay higher. I think we're already there, but they're spinning this so that people with short, ter- with uh, low information and short-term memory problems, are going to say, "Oh, see, this is all these things are happening because the Republicans uh, wouldn't raise the debt limit." Uh, Chuck Todd pushed Jeffries on the facts. Republicans presented a plan. What exactly is the Democrat strategy here? I-, I understand what you want them to do, but as you know, they're. The Republicans don't accept that premise. You have almost every Senate Republican, 43 of them, saying that that they're not going to raise the debt ceiling without some sort of 
quid pro quo on cuts or something like that. Look, Republicans have done their job. You may not like the bill the House passed, but they did do something. What shouldn't Democrats respond with a a counter proposal? Well, President Biden has consistently made clear. And in fact, he introduced his budget two months ago. Uh, and it is a budget uh, that will invest and protect in Social Security. Uh, it's going to try to strengthen the economy in a way uh, that builds an economy that works for everyday Americans, an economy from the middle out and the ground up, not the top down. Mm-hmm. And President Biden's budget will also cut the deficit by $3 trillion. We've been waiting for months uh, for the Republicans to articulate yeah. their position. They didn't produce a budget. What they did was produce a ransom note. That is what the Default on America Act is. And effectively, what they're saying to the American people uh, is that either you accept these dramatic cuts, cuts to Mm -hmm. Medicaid spending for disabled children and for elderly Americans, cuts to law enforcement, cuts to education, cuts to health care. Republicans want us to accept these dramatic cuts or accept a catastrophic default on our nation's debt. That is what is the unreasonable position. And hopefully in a few days, uh, Republicans will come to their senses and do what's right by the American people. Yeah. First of all, the fact that uh, Chuck Todd even asked this question, Hey, you know what? Uh, they're coming to, they're coming to the table with a, with a plan. What are the Democrats doing? Means that even CNN is feeling they can't ignore the obvious that the, the Democrats are doing nothing but saying, we're not going to, we're just not going to do anything. You're just going to have to raise the debt ceiling or we're going to default. They think that we're going, they're going to scare everybody into uh, backing off. And where does uh, Hakeem Jeffries, you know, I, I listened to him talk and I said, you didn't, we didn't think the Democrats could get anybody less intelligent than Nancy Pelosi to leave that, to lead them. But they were very successful at getting someone less intelligent than than Nancy Pelosi, but you know what? Hey, cuts to Medi- Medicaid cuts to disabled children. Where the hell did that come from? Uh, cuts to the elderly, cuts for law enforcement, cuts to healthcare. Where did where did any of that stuff come from? You know where are they coming up with this stuff? They're counting on the fact that America is a bunch of low information people that aren't paying attention, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are in America that that aren't paying attention to this. They're paying attention to uh, the Clippers and the Lakers and the and the Dodgers and the Angels and uh, whoever else we have out there, um, and that's more important than paying attention to this stuff, which really affects our lives. And uh, and all they're going to hear are these little sound sound bites that they hear Hakeem Jeffries saying and and Chuck Schumer saying and everybody else who gets in front of the mic that just babbles out these talking points. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a budget; it's a ransom note. Last week, the White House focused on supposed cuts to veterans' health care in McCarthy's bill. And as you just heard from Hakeem Jeffries, Democrats are really up in the ante with cuts to Medicaid spending for disabled children and elderly cuts for law enforcement and cuts to health care. Same old Democrat fear-mongering we hear every time. And, uh, and, uh, from, and of course, if you fact-check that from factcheck.org, GOP lawmakers have called such Democrat claims a lie and argued that congressional Republicans do not intend to scale back spending on services for veterans. Joe Biden and the Democrats are yet are yet again shamelessly lying to the American people, said uh, Representative Elise Stefanik, chair of the House Republican Conference. There are absolutely no cuts to veterans benefit or the VA in the limit in the limit save and grow act. The specific cuts would be determined later during the appropriations process, if the House passed bill became law, which is unlikely to happen. The McCarthy bill that passed the House on April 24th would extend the borrowing limit through March, 20, March 31st, 2024, or until the debt increases by $1.5 trillion, whichever comes first. In exchange, starting in the fiscal year 20, 2024, the bill would cap discretionary budget authority at about $1.47 trillion, similar to fiscal year 2022 levels, and then restrict future growth in spending to 1% per year for a decade. 
Discretionary spending refers to spending that is authorized in annual appropriations legislation and is separate from mandatory spending for programs such as Medicare and Social Security. Of course, the Democrats will spin this to to scare you into thinking that they're going to cut Social Security, they're going to cut health care, and of course, uh, you know, for seniors, they're going to cut all this stuff and they're going to cut for disabled children and then to cut law enforcement. You know, in the Democrats' plan, there is no law enforcement if, we, uh, if we're paying attention. The reason why our borders are open, the reason why uh, uh, criminals are being let out to go uh, break the laws again. So there goes Democrats' claim that Republicans want to cut those programs. But it doesn't matter what, what the cuts are. It just matters uh, what the sound bites are. The Democrats don't care what the truth is. They only just want to get their sound bites in. The Congressional Budget Office estimates the bill would reduce budget deficits by a total of $4.8 trillion through 2033. Nearly $3.2 trillion of that amount would come from savings in discretionary spending. Discretionary funding also pays for programs from Homeland Security, transportation, education, housing, social services, and more. So the Democrats take that information and present it as if it means Republicans want to cut funding for all discretionary programs. As factcheck.org wrote, assuming the cuts are applied across the board. Democrats don't care if it's true or not. They just care if you think it's true. In an email to factcheck.org, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy spokesman Chad Gilmartin said, Democrats should point to where in the bill that it says any of the claims that they make. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen also appeared on Sunday shows. On ABC This Week, George Stephanopoulos asked her, Uh, about her projected June 1st deadline, and she showed she has no problem spewing the White House talking points. Yeah, you said earlier this week that you expect that it could come as early as June 1st. I know you get new information every day. Is that still your best estimate? Uh, Yes, early June is when we project that we will run out of cash, and there is a chance it could be as early as June 1st. Of course, there is a lot of uncertainty, and I plan to update Congress as new information uh, becomes available, but that's still our current thinking. Are there extraordinary measures you can take around that time, or is that it? Well, really, that's it. We've been using extraordinary measures for several months now, and um, our ability to do that is running out, and we will start to run down our cash. And um, our current projection is that in early June, a day will come when we're unable to pay our bills unless Congress raises the debt ceiling. And it's something I strongly urge Congress um, to do. Of course, it's appropriate to have negotiations about the budget, about spending priorities. President Biden has presented a detailed budget that does cut deficits by $3 trillion over 10 years while investing uh, in the strength of the American economy. Um, But uh, we do need to raise the debt ceiling to avoid economic calamity. Yeah, when she keeps mentioning run out of cash, what do you mean run out of cash? We don't have any cash. So when you're when you're paying your bills out there and you don't have any cash in the bank to pay your bills, uh, what do you do? You cash advance your credit cards. You cash advance your credit cards so you can pay the interest on the other credit cards that you don't have that you don't have the uh, the cash to pay down. So. What she's meaning is, hey, we're running out of cre- other credit cards to cash advance so that we could pay the interest on the other credit cards that we don't have have uh, the money to, to pay the interest on. So what they're suggesting is just open up some more credit cards so you can keep cash advancing them. We don't have any cash. We don't spend responsibly. We keep spending. We keep spending money that we don't have enough money coming in. And, of course, where does that money come from? It comes from taxes. And where the Republicans say, hey, let's invest in our invest in our uh, economy and jobs don't come from the government. They come from the private sector. So the way you encourage the private sector to expand is you cut you cut taxes and encourage and and reward productivity. Let the corporations say, if you put money into your business, we're going to let you keep some of it some of the extra profits, and that encourages them to create more jobs, which creates more taxpayers, which everybody pays a little, nobody has to pay a lot. And that's the theory of, of how, uh, how you, you raise the taxes coming in 
so you can pay your bills as opposed to just tax the hell out of people that are uh, that are producing and you just can't tax your way into prosperity hey anyway i'm all out of time for the first half of the main event so stay tuned for five minutes of uh weather traffic sports and commercials and i'm going to go into lots lots more about the economy and the debt ceiling and uh this this uh ridiculousness that's coming out of the democrat party don't go away hi this is ed hoffman with united american mortgage and host of the main event heard weekends right here on am 590 the answer Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. back to part two of the main event my name is ed hoffman with united american mortgage i don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio because if you're not in the market it's not that interesting but if you are in the market or you think you might be in the market or if you're finding yourself as uh one of my clients i talked to uh this week has a hundred fifty thousand dollar uh mortgage payment uh at three and a quarter percent and uh, has about $200,000 in car payments and and credit cards uh, from 14 to 20%. You know what? That just doesn't make any sense to 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 try and save your uh save your 3 and a quarter percent uh tons of equity in the house. If you find yourself in that position, let's do a cash out refinance now, pay off all those bills, and then next year when the rates go go way far down, you do a rate and term refinance where you don't have the extra fees of a cash out and get the get the interest rate when it hits bottom. Uh if you're interested in uh checking that out, call me toll free at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo and uh, you do the cyber thing. So anyway, before we ended the first half, we were talking about uh, the debt limit and the scare tactics, the fear mongering that the uh, that the Democrats are doing to try and scare us into uh, thinking that the Republicans are such bad people for not uh, for not just raising the debt limit and uh, demanding that we change our spending habits. Uh, Janet Yellen, who's the uh, Secretary of Treasury, who uh, used to be the chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, should have more intelligence than this, and she should uh, she should uh, do her job by not following along with what uh, Mr. Magoo in the White House wants her to say, but instead talking some some uh, economics from a standpoint of someone who's an economist and uh, and and not try to scare the scare the public. But she's right in line with the Biden administration and just talking things that don't make any sense. So what happens if June 1st comes and goes? No agreement. Janet Yellen says we can expect financial and economic chaos. Paint a picture for everyone. What happens on that day? Let's assume for the sake of argument it's June 1st. What happens that day if the debt limit has not been extended? Well, Treasury finds itself in a position where we're unable to pay all of the bills that um, come due that day. And um, this would be really the first time in the history of America that we would fail to um, make payments that are due. Um, And, you know, whether it's defaulting on uh, interest payments that are due on the debt or payments due for Social Security recipients or um, to Medicare providers. Uh, th- 
we would simply not have enough cash to meet all of our obligations. And um, it, it's widely agreed that financial and economic chaos would ensue. Really? She doesn't think the financial chaos coming from all these banks failing from uh, the Federal Reserve not raising the rates when they sh- when they should because we were they were lying to us about inflation. Well, I think it's transitory. We don't have to worry about this. And they waited an extra year. Then they had to start raising uh, interest rates so fast that the banks are finding themselves in a bad position when people decide to uh, pull their money out. Um, and all of a sudden, they're all of a sudden they're uh, they they can't they can't balance their budget. They can't balance their books to look like they're uh, financially sound. So they're not worried about the banks creating uh, financial chaos. They're worried about. Uh, shutting the government down. Well, you know, it, it wasn't the first time in history. It happened in in, ni- in 1996 and again in 2018-19 uh, during the Trump administration and during the Clinton administration where we had uh, no budget passed where they shut the federal government down. We couldn't pay our bills because we didn't have a budget. But in Obama, in Obama administration, 2013, it went on for, for actually a, almost two years where they just kept uh passing continuing resolutions because they they couldn't get the debt limit uh square and the spending square and that was and that was actually for the the debt limit issue in the Obama years and guess what there was not financial chaos although we did uh I think the world did lower our credit rating for the first time which happen, seems to happen under every democrat president so uh there might be there might be a, a pattern here we could see so uh, last week, Karine Jean-Pierre said Biden would meet with the group of four to discuss the debt ceiling, but not negotiate. Apparently, no one told the president this was the plan because he, he said something very different to Stephanie Rule on MSNBC. In less than four weeks, the government's going to run out of money. As president, what are you going to do to help us avoid default? Look, not a single solitary Congress has ever reneged on the debt. The debt is not a debt that I accumulated. The debt is not a debt that occurred over the last several years. It's 200 years, the debt, 200 years. And the idea that we wouldn't pay our debt is just bizarre. I think that we have to make it clear to the American people that I am prepared to negotiate in detail with their budget. How much you're going to spend? How much you're going to tax? Where can we cut? Yeah, he's prepared to negotiate in detail. Really? That's not what everybody else says. You know, and uh, of course, you know, now even these softball questions are are uh, backing Biden into a into a corner. You know, CNN's asking the obvious, hey, the Democrats aren't doing anything. What's your plan? And now MSNBC is is saying, hey, you know, what's the uh, you know, what's the deal? You're not going to negotiate. And of course, Biden finds himself in in the corner where he he has to say, I'm willing to negotiate. Of course, that's contrary to what everybody else is saying. Then immediately after contradicting his his White House communications office, Biden repeated the same claim he's been making since the State of the Union on how much he's cut the deficit so far as president. In the first two years of my administration, I cut the debt by $1.7 trillion. $1.7 more than anybody's ever done in history. Their budget goes in. At, they, they, there's, no, there's no possible they can pass their budget. Zero. Zero possibility. They cut. They, they cut two hundred thousand. Anyway, I won't. I'm shouldn't get going on. As soon as he runs out, of, runs out of uh, BS to to say, and he knows he, he can't. He can't back up his 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 uh, statements with some explanation about what they mean. He just says, "Well, well, you know." Anyway, anyway. So first, Biden is confusing the debt with the deficit. But that notwithstanding, let's fact check the one point seven trillion dollar claim. You know, so he didn't cut the debt. He's claiming he cut the deficit, which the debt is how much how much debt we're in because of the deficit in our budget. So our budget says we're going to bring in X amount of dollars and we spend more than that. So that's the deficit. The debt is the accumulation of all those deficits over all these years. Um, But he's claiming that he cut the deficit. When, in fact, he really didn't. 
According to CNN, the deficit did fall by roughly $1.7 trillion between fiscal year 2020 and fiscal year 2022, from about $3.1 trillion to about $1.4 trillion. But as CNN has repeatedly noted, it's highly questionable how much credit Biden deserves for this deadline, which overwhelmingly occurred because the emergency pandemic spending from the end of the Trump era expired as planned. In fact, the independent analysts say Biden's own new laws and executive actions have significantly added to the current and projected future deficits, not reduce those deficits. So, so hey, the the pandemic uh, spending was going to end, and which was largely what was put into place. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna subsidize America while we're shut we're on this shutdown, and we're gonna subsidize America so we stay alive. Um, but that's going to end at this point. So Biden comes into office, stole the election, and they put him into office. So he's going to try and take claim for that, uh, take credit for that. When in fact he didn't, he didn't do that. That was just scheduled to happen. And the stuff that he did do uh, reduced how much the deficit would come down. Factcheck.org says President Biden has been misleadingly taking credit for cutting the federal deficit by historic amounts. Uh, though most of the reduction in deficits is a result of expiring emergency pandemic spending, deficits fell between fiscal year 2020 and 2021, far less than initially projected after Biden added to them with more emergency pandemic and infrastructure spending. And the deficits under Biden and beyond are projected to remain historically high compared with pre-pandemic levels. So wait a minute. The deficit was much lower before uh, before you guys invented COVID and and uh, and forced uh, the the country into shutting down, and now it's way higher. So let's give him let's give Biden credit because he's doing so much better than his predecessor. I don't think so. It's pretty silly. Mark Goldwine, senior vice president and senior policy director at the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget, said of Biden's deficit uh, cutting claims, he didn't cut the deficit. He increased it. So he's not he's he's claiming credit for all the good stuff when he's actually backing it off. So meanwhile, the new uh, Washington Post ABC News survey reveals that Biden's approval rating fell six percentage points between February and May. Conducted April 28th to May 3rd, the poll surveyed 1,006 U.S. adults and had a margin of error of 3.5 percentage points. So realizing who are they uh, polling because I never get asked to answer these questions. So they take a little, a little small 1,006 uh, uh, people, and they take them random. So this should be a, a, uh, a sample that, you know, based on if you – as this 1,006 percentages go, so is the, the whole country. Uh, conducted April 28th, poll surveyed 1,006 adults in the margin error, three and a half. Biden's job performance approval is 37 percent. His disapproval, 56 percent. Strongly approved, 18 percent. Strongly disapproved, 47%. It's a new low and a sad one for a president who's just announced two weeks ago that he's running for re-election. You know, and and, uh, typically typically you decide, hey, I'm going to run for re-election because I'm doing such a great job and the people recognize it. Listen to this uh, little clip from the movie The American President. Three years ago, we were elected to the White House by one of the narrowest margins in history. And today, Kodak here tells us 63% of registered voters think we're doing a good job. The poll also tells us what we already know. We don't get our crime bill through Congress. Those numbers are going to be in memory. So starting today, we're shifting it into gear. Can I tell my morning press gaggle that gun control is... Crime control, Robin. Gun control means we're wimps and we're soft on crime. Well, hang on. Are we not... Lewis, please. Are we not putting back the handgun restrictions? No. We're leaving them out. Mr. President, we campaigned on this issue. I understand we took them out when we were in the low 40s, but we could push it through now. After the elections, Lewis... We may never have an opportunity like this again. So let's take this 63% out for a spin. Let's see what it could do. We can't take it out for a spin. We need it to get reelected. Yeah, so uh, typically you have uh, good numbers, which indicates that the uh, that the public wants to reelect you before you run for reelection. So Biden just doesn't want to look doesn't want to look stupid. So he knows he's not going to win. He has to know that the Democrats all know it. But the uh, but he doesn't want to look dumb. He doesn't want to look like a lame duck uh, this early in his in his uh, election. So he's going to say he's running, which will hold off 
several other Democrats from running. And uh, and you watch the beginning of next year, he'll he'll find some health issue to uh, to back off. And, uh, you know, and apparently apparently Biden has has a little bit of dyslexia because, you know, uh, in the movie, it was 63 percent job job approval rating. And, uh, you know, Biden thinks that he should just follow that because he's got a 36. Actually, it's a 37. But, you know, it was so close to the the dyslexia with uh, 63. I just thought I'd throw that in. Regarding who who should be the Democrat Party's nominee, 36 percent of Democratic leaning respondents said they'd prefer Biden get the party's nomination. Thirty six. So there's that thirty six. Fifty eight percent of Democrats say they prefer the party nominate someone else. Hmm. So Biden's paying attention to that. All the Democrat panelists are admitting this doesn't look good. Here's the Sunday show coverage on ABC and CNN. This poll is just brutal for President Biden. Absolutely, George. And you talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. I was told I could not send the poll around to after 12 midnight. I sent it out at (laughs) 12.02 because it kept me up. And I thought they should wake up and look at those numbers. That should concern them. That's not a good number for for President Biden. Two-thirds of the American people say he's not sharp enough to be president. Even the Democrat-leaning media is all seeing it. They're all concerned. Everyone's concerned, except for Joe Biden. As for 2024 rematch between Biden and Trump, the 2024 matchup, according to the Washington Post, says 45% for Donald Trump, 39% for Joe Biden which is probably about what happened in 2020 before they uh, got involved with uh, with with the, uh, hey, let's stop counting on election night like we always do, and let's count all these, uh, all these ballots from uh, various ballot drop-off boxes, the post office, you know, uh, ballots coming into uh, to the post office in New York for Pennsylvania and all this other stuff that doesn't make any sense. And... Uh, and before they they stole the election. When asked to choose between Biden and Trump on who they think did a better job of handling the economy as president, uh, 54% said Trump, 36% said Biden, 7% said neither. All right, so uh, neither one of them like it. Uh, in, the, in the same MSNBC interview, Stephanie Rule asked Biden about his low approvals and carefully carefully broached the unavoidable sentiment among Americans that Biden is failing on every front. Why do you think your polling is where it is? Well, I don't think, people, by the way, every major one who won re-election, their polling numbers are mine are now. Put polling aside no, then, right? Sorry. Sentiment in this but, country, despite no, all these wins, is I, not I, very I, good. I think all they've heard is negative news for three years. Everything is negative. And I'm not being critical of the press, but you turn on the television, the only way you're going to get a hit is if there's something negative. You, you know, you don't... Anyway, that's number one. But number two, I think we're in a situation where you have much of what we were able to do only is going to come into, come into play now. For example, I met today, I set up what they call a, a, a second cabinet. Within my cabinet, I have an enforcement group. They're the ones going out making sure that we're getting the roads built, the highways built, and, the, and getting the lead pipes out of, uh, every neighborhood for so people aren't dying or getting very sick. Uh, they're the ones who are making sure that people begin to know what's happened and what's happening. It's going to take time to get this done. And so until we unless we can make it clear to the American people what it is that we've actually done, it's one thing to say we're going to rebuild this bridge that is in, in the process of collapsing. Other thing to actually get it built get it built and that's all just starting yeah right if you can't if you can't dazzle them with brilliance baffle them with bs and that's uh you know biden well you know well anyway uh anyway and of course uh he talks about uh low approval ratings uh when people get reelected and of course trump's approval rating this time in his first he was at a 42 and of course in in trump's case unemployment was down gas prices were down uh, border was secure, income was up, and we had no new wars, and uh, we were we were uh, feared amongst our enemies and uh, respected. Um, 
so that you know, but everything was negative about Trump because people people didn't like Trump because of his personality. I don't care about his personality. Run my country the way you, the way it needs to be run. Um, Obama at this point in his uh, in his in his uh, term, right before re-election, he was at fifty one percent. George Bush was at sixty nine percent. Bill Clinton was at fifty one percent, and of course, the last time, uh, even even uh, Jimmy Carter. Uh, right before his reelection, he was at forty-five percent. So uh, everybody's in the thirties at this point in their right before reelection. I don't think so. You are uh, you are even uh, lower than the lowest of lows. So I think he's knocked uh, Obama and uh, Carter off the top of the list of the worst presidents in history. Which I didn't have to tell you that you could see it. So uh, uh, she also talked about the strong presence of Kamala Harris in that announcement video. You have officially announced you're running for re-election. And in your first video, you featured Vice President Harris 10 times. When Obama was in that position, he didn't mention you, sir. What are you trying to tell us? (laughs) Well, uh, every major initiative President Obama had, I was the last guy in the room uh, deciding that with him, giving him any advice what we should do. But look, I just think that Vice President Harris hasn't gotten the credit she deserves. She was an attorney general of the state of California. She has been a United States senator. She is really very, very good. And with everything going on, she hasn't gotten the attention she deserves. Yeah, she's gotten plenty of attention. And uh, and it's the attention she deserves based on she's a she's a moron and she's a airhead. And, you know, what? Uh, you know, uh, she just talks in word salads and she doesn't do anything to uh, brag about. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, when he says, well, hey, I was the last man in the room when when Obama made major decisions. So in other words, the last guy in the room. I've already made the decision, but Joe, what do you think? Well, I don't think you should go after uh, bin Laden. Okay, well, thanks for your opinion, but I'm going in anyway. So we all know that happened, and uh, Joe Biden wanted to be the last one in the room when he did it. So he could say, okay, good job, good job, Barack. Or, hey, I don't think I don't think you should do this, uh, and have Barack go, I don't care what you think. So next, the nation's oldest sitting president made some very dubious claims about himself. Critics would say you're elevating her because they think you wouldn't serve a full term. (laughs) And it it is fair to say that there's not a Fortune 500 company in the world looking to hire a CEO in his 80s. So why would an 82-year-old Joe Biden be the right person for the most important job in the world? Because I have acquired a hell of a lot of wisdom. I know more than the vast majority of people. I'm more experienced than anybody's ever run for the office. And I think I've proven myself to be honorable as well as also effective. Yeah, he's he's acquired a hell of a lot of wisdom. Well, if you read my book, Experience Matters, Here's Mine, you'll know that I am a, I am a big uh, a big proponent of, you know, wisdom comes with age. But at a certain point, at a certain point, you stop learning and. Uh, in Joe Biden's case, because his brain, his brain starts to deteriorate. And, uh, and you could see other people getting more wise. You could see Trump, uh, learning from the mistakes he made in his first term. And you could see he's gonna, he's gonna change things. And hopefully he, uh, actually, uh, changes the way he, he speaks out there. So he's not so offensive, but you know, regardless, he's got my vote either way. Um, but you know, Hey, hell of a lot of wisdom and people are seeing that I'm honorable honorable we're seeing right now you've been extorting money from the american taxpayer and sending it to other countries and extorting it back from them so in other words you're not extorting it from ukraine you're extorting it from the united states sending it to ukraine uh to support their uh their energy and then stick your son in there to uh to get paid and then he splits it with you you know i got to give half my paycheck to pops um, we know all this stuff. We hear it. We put it all together. We're not stupid. And uh, honorable. You're honorable. Your son gave, uh, uh, you know, uh, produced a, uh, a grandchild of yours, and you don't even acknowledge this grandchild. Well, you know what? Uh, Hunter can't afford to pay child support. You can. You can. If my If my kids couldn't afford to support their kids, their kids, my grandkids, I would step in. 
I would step in and I would, you know, I'd t- I would make sure that my grandkids are, are fed. I would make sure that my grandkids uh, know that I'm a great grandfather and, uh, and do what I can to, to prop up my kids in their eyes as well. But he's, you know, when he says honorable, I just don't think that's the case. And effective? I don't know. He's an effective president. The prices of everything is up. The gas prices are up. The border's uh, unsecure. We got gazillions of people coming over that. And while we're on that subject, uh, although Stephanie Rule left out words like Title 42, surge and chaos out of her question, she did ask, ask about migrants at the border, to which Biden proudly announced, we're making it, e- making it easier for them to get in. You're sending 1,500 troops to the border. People on the left criticize and say it's inhumane. People on the right say you're not putting America priorities first. And employers around this country are saying we need more workers. This is an economic issue. Bingo. Have you given up on Congress doing anything? And if so, is there something you can do to address this? Uh, yes, there is. Number one, our first bill ever introduced was to reform the, the system that we have for immigration. Number one. Number two, we're in a situation now where those 1,500 people at the border, they're not there to enforce the law. They're there to free up the border agents that need to be on the border. And we're having another 1,000 people coming in. They're asylum judges to make judgments to move things along. I've asked this Congress for help in terms of what they need at the border. They need more agents. They need more people to clear people. They need more action to, for example, we need... These farm workers, they're badly needed. There has to be a legal pathway to citizenship. The idea dreamers are still not being treated. So there's so much that we can do and are going to do. Because, for example, I've worked out a very good relationship with AMLO, the president of Mexico. We're in a situation now where we're going to set up the ability for people to go into country they want to leave to go into an American facility to determine whether they qualify as a refugee, whether they qualify for asylum, whether they qualify for temporary work order, speeding things up. Yeah, well, let me just uh, end the show with this. Hey, Joe, we don't need to make it easier for them to get in. We don't need more workers. We need less criminals in our country. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with lots, lots more next week. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. Think about this. Your mortgage rate is at 3%, but your car loan is now at 10 or 11%. Over the past year, the average car payment has risen from $400 to $800. Rates on your credit cards have risen from an average of 14% up to 20% and higher. And across the country, credit card balances are higher now than they were before COVID. HELOCs are now at 10%. You don't want to touch your low-rate mortgage, but you're paying through the nose on all of your other debts, and it's hard to make ends meet. Solution? Do a cash-out refinance and wrap all your debt together on your house now and lower all your payments. Then, when the rates really drop next year, you can do a rate and term refinance when rates are really low and not have to pay the cash-out refinance fees to do it. If this idea makes you curious, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.